This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Uh, Yesterday, I was sitting on American Airlines flight yesterday from Phoenix, I mean, from Loretto to Phoenix, and the person next to me was on his way back to Durango, Colorado, where he lived. The man was one year older than me. He was 72 years old. And he was telling that from his house, he could see four ski slopes around Aspen and he could see Colorado Rocky Mountain School or CRMS, where I went for a summer is just outside of Aspen. And in that school, I climbed 10 mountains and I don't climb mountains today. I could guarantee you that. So he had climbed some of the same mountains. And we were talked a while about how both of us climbed Mount Castle with its Montezuma Glacier in Colorado. And he had just spent a month in the wild part of Baja camping on the inhabited beaches and kayaking in the waters down there. And in the wintertime, he, he takes a helicopter and they drop him off at the top of some glaciers and he skis down through unmarked mountain passes and his wife's a ski instructor. And during the summer, he does white water kayaking. So consequently, he was telling me he has a shoulder replacement. He's got two hip replacements and he's got a knee replacement trying to do all those sports. And I told him, I said, well, that's why I don't do any of those things (laughs) anyway. But, um, he's telling me, he says, I'm going to do all the sports and adventures that I can while I still can. We had a wonderful time talking together about Colorado, all of his adventures. And I thought to myself, as I was talking to him, this man is 72 years old and I'm 71. And both of us are sitting in that plane are about to hear the heavenly captain say, return to your seat and fasten your seatbelts. We'll be landing soon. And so I thought he doesn't have much time and I'm not as fool enough as him to do all that risky stuff. So I told him that, you know, I was going to preach a sermon tomorrow. I told him I was going to preach a sermon tomorrow entitled, Prepare to Meet Thy God. Suddenly, the conversation froze like one of those glaciers he talked about. (laughs) And he didn't want to talk to me anymore. And he turned as cold as ice. 
And all he said was that, so how long have you been preaching? <laughs> and that was the end of our great friendly conversation. And he wanted to get as far away as possible from me. What happened? What happened to our great conversation? What happened is the same thing as if I had a great conversation with this man in verse 24, and we're talking away. And I said to the man in verse 24, I says, you know, this Sunday, I'm going to preach a message on prepare to meet thy king. And that man would have thought, it's talking about me, the king, I owe $30 million to. I want to get away, far away from this man as I can. What happened to that man I was sitting next to on American Airlines fight yesterday? When I said I was going to preach a sermon on prepare to meet thy God, that man thought, he's talking about meeting God, and I have a crushing death debt, and I want to get as far away from this person as I can. And I thought, well, why doesn't he want to hear about Jesus loves me, this I know, the Bible tells me so? People today have a crushing death debt problem, and they can't pay it like this man in verse 24. He has a crushing debt. He couldn't pay. And this is the problem as we come to verse 25. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold his wife, his children, all he had. He had not to pay. Very simple words, very simple trouble that the man found himself in. He had not to pay. Very simple trouble that people today, like the one sitting yesterday on the plane, he had not to pay. But the servant in this chapter underwent a complete change. And he did something he had never done before, this servant. And in verse 26, it says what he did. He never did this before. It says, the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me. He never did that before. The servant here now is doing this thing he never did before. He's begging the king for patience. The servant now is begging the king for mercy, and he'd never done that before. Why now is this servant doing this thing? Because he's now changed. Incidentally, as we were leaving the plane yesterday, I handed the man my book, Changed, and he took the book and he looked at the title. He says, Changed. He goes, that's a dramatic title. Well, then did the servant in verse 26 have this dramatic change and why now did this servant in verse 26 have this dramatic change to fall down and worship the king and, and ask him for mercy? It was because the servant heard the sentence. He heard the sentence of verse 25, which was his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all he had in payment to be made. And what's going to bring about a dramatic change in that man yesterday? It will be when he hears God's sentence of hell for his eternity. It will be when he can hear God's sentence of Ezekiel 18.20. Ezekiel 18.20, which says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. It will be when he hears God's sentence over the announcements, over the noise of the announcements that he's hearing now, which is your next Baja beach to be camped at will be, your next rocky mountain to climb or to ski down will be, your next whitewater river raft kayak will be, Maybe it's going to be just one more knee or one more shoulder or an ankle that's going to go out and it's going to silence all those other announcements of the next Baja Beach, the next Rocky Mountain, the next Whitewater River. Maybe it's going to be some physical limitation that will silence the announcements of all other adventures so he can hear God's sentence. Maybe it's going to be the death of his wife who was sitting two rows back. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot. Matthew twenty two thirteen. Matthew twenty two thirteen. 
Then said the king to the servant, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Because only when a person hears God's sentence on the death debt of sin that he owes, will a person do, or possibly do, have a chance to do, verse 26, verse 26, which is, the servant fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me. And that's the power in that verse of that one little word, therefore. Therefore, in verse 26, he heard the king's sentence, and therefore he begged for mercy. And a person has to hear God's sentence of hell for his sins to therefore beg, possibly beg for mercy. And only after that servant cried out to the king for mercy did that servant learn something that he didn't know before. He never saw it before. He never did it before, fell down for mercy, and he never saw before, verse 27. Verse 27 was, then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. The servant never knew forgiveness until he cried to the king for mercy. The servant had to cry out to the king for mercy before his debt was be forgiven. And the point here is that the person will never be forgiven for his sins. A person will never be forgiven for his sins until he realizes he's a dirty, rotten sinner, until he hears the verdict of his sins that he'll be cast into hell for eternity, and he therefore falls down and worships Jesus Christ and cries to him for mercy. I was just driving down the road just on my way here. This is my way here on the freeway. I was driving along, minding my own business, and this truck drives by me, and it says on the back window, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Then, only then, will he hear Jesus say to him the same words that Jesus said in Matthew 9, 2, 9, 2, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Because it still holds, Proverbs 28, 13 still holds, he that covers his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And only after that servant cried out to the king for mercy did that servant learn something about the king that the servant never knew before. But he learned something. Only after he cried out for mercy did the servant learn that the king was compassionate and merciful. The servant didn't know that until he cried out for mercy. The servant had to take the initiative it was the servant who took the initiative, not the king. The servant had to take the initiative to cry out for mercy before he saw the king's compassion and mercy. And only after a sinner realizes that he's hell-deserving, he's dirty, he's filthy, he's vile, and he cries out to God and he receives God's merciful forgiveness of his sin, that then he realizes, oh, God is compassionate, he's merciful, Hebrews 8.12, Hebrews 8.12, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. The servant saw the king was moved with compassion. The servant did not have his debt forgiven until he cried out to the king for mercy. And John's why Johnny Cash song puts it so well when he shows the initiative of the sinner in going to the mercy of and going to God for mercy, the song goes, well, the old account was large and growing every day. I was always sinning and I never tried to pray. But when I looked ahead and saw such pain and woe, well, I thought I'd better get it settled. 
So I settled it long ago. Long ago, yes, long ago. I settled it all. I said the old account was settled long ago. My sins cleared today. He done washed my sins away. And the old account was settled long ago. Now sinners seek the Lord. Repent of all your sins. Because this he commanded if we're going to make it in. And then if you should live a hundred years below, you're going to know you got it settled because you got it settled long ago. See, that's a great point of verse 27. Verse 27, that the servant only knew the king is a hard man who demanded repayment for his debt of $30 million. But when the servant cried out to the king, then the servant saw something king he never saw before. Verse 27, the Lord of that servant, verse 27, the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Never saw that before. He saw a movement of compassion in the king that he had only known as a hard man before. Now, this would be great if this was the end of the chapter. This would just be terrific if this was the end of the story, but it's not, unfortunately. The servant now has been greatly forgiven, but the servant now is being followed in life. He's being watched carefully to see how his life has been changed by this experience of his sins being forgiven. And just as everyone who prays a prayer, makes a profession of receiving Christ as a Savior, is really followed and watched by heavenly beings to see how his life has been changed. And this is the emphasis on verse 28, because there's a powerful, two powerful words in verse 28, and the words are, same servant. This is the same servant. He was back up there receiving mercy and forgiveness from the king. This same servant, verse 28, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow's servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me that thou owest. So the servant now, same servant, he finds a person who owns him, owes him a hundred pence, which if you Translate that in today's money is $300. He finds this person owes him $300. And he's so enraged that he's been cheated out of this $300 that this person has not paid him. So this same servant who begged for mercy and had his $30 million debt forgiven is now in the position like the king was, and he's watching himself. He sees himself in this other servant who owes him $300, who's now begging him for mercy. Verse 29, verse 29, his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying, have patience with me and I'll pay thee all. The same thing that he said to the king and he's being watched to see if he's gonna have compassion like the king did. To see, he's being watched by heavenly beings to see, is he gonna look at that servant and say, I know exactly how you feel. I was in the same position. I owed him so much more. I owed $30 million, not $300. I couldn't pay it. I begged. I found forgiveness. I remember all the joy that filled my soul. What happened to me? Now I've got this opportunity with you to bring you the same feeling of all the joy that filled my soul. And I'm so happy to forgive you. The $300 you owe me, it's okay. That's not what happened. What happened is verse 30, verse 30. He would not. It was a matter of his will. He could have, he wouldn't. But he went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. All that servant thought about was, 
I view forgiveness as a strange act. I don't embrace forgiveness. It grates on me to forgive this $300 debt. It, I hate to forgive this $300 debt. I don't love to forgive debts. I think it's dangerous for me to forgive because forgiveness puts me in a vulnerable position of today $300, tomorrow $3,000. I'm gonna be taken advantage of. It's first you, then it's him, then it's another one, and I'm gonna end up being like a rag doll that's just kicked down the street. That's what he's thinking. Forgiveness is, for he's saying, forgiveness is not something inward for me. Forgiveness is not a part of my core. It's not my identity. Forgiveness is not who I am. Forgiveness for me is not qualitative. It's not one of my qualities. Forgiveness for me is quantitative. Forgiveness has to be limited to a certain number like seven and the number 300, as in $300, is a number that's too much. That's too much. If the number was three, as in $3, I'd forgive. But the number 300, that's a maximum. You're over the limit. Forgiveness. And the problem for that servant, he had this attitude, is that he was not operating in a vacuum. He was being watched and he was being reported on. Verse 31, verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Well, there was that one day when the person came to my door and, and the person told me I was a sinner and that I was on my way to hell and all I had to do was repeat this simple prayer about being a sinner and God sending his son Jesus to die for my sins and me opening my heart to receive Christ. And I did that. And when the person left, he assured me that it was all good now, that I had an eternal life insurance, that I was going to go to heaven, that I'd never have to worry about being cast into hell. And the problem is, is that from the point of receiving Christ or being forgiven for sins, there's a patrol watching as there was with this man. And just as we see in verse 31, the patrol was watching for God to see if there really was a conversion of the heart or just a mouthing of a few words to repeat a prayer. Because true conversion affects the life, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. All things are become new. And one of the new things that becomes to a person in Christ is that he has a new compassion on others who can't pay because he knows he was that person in verse 25. In verse 25, he had not to pay. And one of the new things that comes to a person in Christ is that he has a new mercy on others who owe him something when he finds himself to be this person in verse 28, verse 28, one of his fellow servants which owed him 100 pence. And depending on how he responds in life situations, will just bring out, it'll just reveal, it'll just show if his conversion was a deep conversion of the heart or just a repetition of a few words in prayer. And the king, the king was still his king. The servants, the king of the servant was still his king. And he still had to answer to the king for his acts. And the king was enraged at the man's lack of compassion. In verse 32, verse 32, then his Lord, after that he called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldst not thou also have had compassion on my fellow servant as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. 
So the servant ends up being cast into prison. And the point of all this is we look at this and our heads are spinning. And we're saying, what is this all about? He brings it all home in verse 35 when he says, likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. And the point here is that if a person has received the mercy of God and really had his sins forgiven by Jesus Christ and he has experienced Jesus Christ to the level of being in Christ, then he'll be filled with a new compassion, a new mercy of Christ, which he's going to show to others. And if he's not, then it's an indication that person didn't really experience Jesus Christ to the point of being in Christ. But after a person has come to Christ, he's not ashamed of Christ. He's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ also. And a person comes to Christ, he has a verbal declaration of his belief. He believes that there is mercy and compassion in Jesus Christ, and he will say it verbally. It's his verbal declaration of belief in the mercy and the compassion of Christ, and it can be heard by what he says, but that's not all because he also has a practical declaration of his belief in the compassion and mercy of Christ and his practical declaration of belief in the compassion and the mercy of Christ can be seen in what he does by showing compassion to others. So there, Peter, there's the answer to your question. Your question just came off with, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Very simple question that Peter asked, but a very profound, deep answer that Christ gave, which showed that forgiveness is really a question that sees beyond yourself to how you've been hurt, sees beyond how you've been hurt, to seeing beyond to the offender and having compassion on him. It reminds me of a very compassionate friend I have, Ruben, who is uh, Diana's, my friend's, Diana's husband, colleague. And one day, the three of us, Ruben, Diana, and I, we went to a bullfight in Tijuana. And uh, down the bull arena, down the playas, there's typically, there, there wasn't enough parking. And so people are very typical uh, in Mexico, they, they get creative and they start offering their parking spaces in their driveways for sale. So there was this man and he offered us uh, his driveway for 50 pesos. We could park there for 50 pesos, about two and a half dollars. So Ruben paid him the 50 pesos and we parked. And then Diana, Ruben's wife, saw that by accident, Ruben didn't give him a 50 peso bill, but gave him a 500 peso bill, which is $25. And then she pointed out, you know, as soon as you gave him the 500 pesos, the man took it and ran away, so he was gone. And so Diana said to Reuben, he said, you just gave the man 500 pesos. And Reuben responded, he didn't get mad. Reuben said, maybe he needed it. For Reuben, it wasn't a question of how Reuben had been hurt by the man and not giving him back his, his 450 pesos. Reuben was filled with compassion for that man and he wasn't angry over losing the money. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our Lord Jesus and how he takes so much time to teach us and to guide us and to use life situations to uncover and to, and to correct. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.